This is our fourth week in our series, Meaningless, that we have gone through studying the book uh, of Ecclesiastes. If you've not been with us so far, uh, the author of this book, King Solomon, has been kind of going through his life looking for purpose, looking for meaning, and evaluating all these different areas. We begin this series by just kind of an introduction of Solomon looking at life as a whole, uh, just in a general sense of life under the sun and realizing how inconsequential so much of it is, him declaring it meaningless. We continue from there each week looking at a kind of a specific area. Solomon is a king known for his wisdom and his discernment, and yet in our second week we saw that even he claimed that wisdom was meaningless. Uh, that all of the things that he had acquired and all the things that he had done ultimately added up to nothing. We saw last week this pursuit of pleasure and how we kind of mirrored Solomon's own pursuit of going through these different stages of life, thinking just the next stage will bring us the happiness and the pleasure and the fulfillment that we desire, ultimately realizing that we only have pleasure and fulfillment and filling our lives with Jesus. This morning we turn our attention to the idea of work. Uh, Solomon has declared each of these things a a vapor, immaterial, inconsequential, uh, a chasing after the wind, he calls it. And maybe this is the one that we can identify with the most because in a room this size, I'm willing to bet that not every one of us love our jobs. Even in ministry, working with all of you lovely people, there are days where it's not always roses. And, and there are times where I'm sure you feel the same way about your job. But to help encourage you, I took the liberty of looking up, I think, some of the worst jobs out there. And I got to say, in comparison, I think we're doing okay. You know, there's, uh, the first one was, uh, is a manual sewage cleaner which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, It's actually popular in India. People have to go down and manually clear blockages in the sewage system. Uh, There's a manure inspector that before it becomes this nice compost and and, and fertilizer uh, and these nice clean bags that we pick up from the home improvement store, somebody has to inspect all of that for uh, contaminants and the animal waste. Uh, This one, mosquito researcher, my wife could do this job. She is a magnet for them, and at least she would get paid in this circumstance. But people actually literally putting their bodies on the lines to be willingly bit by mosquitoes to see how they spread disease and to learn more about those little pests. And this one is is one I actually saw uh, on TV myself. How many of you remember the old show Dirty Jobs? Mike Rowe going around looking, looking at all the terrible jobs out there. This one has to be at the top of the the list, Uh, a cloth diaper counter. Uh, This is for somebody that uh, when they run a cloth diaper uh, business, they deliver clean diapers. Well, they have to count the diapers that come back used and dirty to make sure they get... This poor kid, like high school kid, probably his first job, like minimum wage, counting these used diapers coming back in to make sure that everybody had returned what they had borrowed. I mean, that has to be one of the worst, I think. And so I just encourage you to remember that tomorrow, if you have to roll out of bed and you're not quite feeling like getting back to work on a Monday, it could be worse than the job that you do, you know? But I also want to kind of give a a few caveats here this morning, because I know there's a number of you in this room uh, that are retired. And you're thinking probably like a single person who comes on the sermons about, you know, married life. Like, this is just not for me. But not all work and toil is about a nine-to-five career job, and some retired people are the busiest people I know when it comes to all the things they do, so don't, don't tune out on us. But I also want to provide a caveat for my own kind of self-disclosure. If you would just kind of give me a minute to be transparent with you, this, this section on work is really what led me to feel compelled to preach from Ecclesiastes, to preach this series. I love my job, and I love our church, and I have absolutely no plans to, to, on leaving anytime soon. I hope that's good news for you all. 
Uh, but, but to be honest, there are, there are days when I, I just can't wait to get home. You know, I have a project to work on, some woodworking thing I want to do. Uh, maybe I just, just want to watch a show and spend time with my family, and all those are good things. But there's all these kind of things vying for my attention sometimes. And so I found myself asking, you know, if, if I firmly believe, and I do, that church work, you know, either vocational or volunteer, church work is the most important work in the world then why do I sometimes find myself wanting to do other projects, wanting to find myself other places, doing other things, vying for my attention? And I think the answer to that in, in all of our struggles and work is really coming back to a better theology, a better understanding of what Scripture says about the work that we do. And so even if you love your job, you can probably see how we might be able to echo a few of the sentiments that Solomon gives us on his thoughts of why work can be so meaningless at times. I want to do something a little bit different uh, this morning. Usually Solomon kind of gives us his reasons and then gives us a conclusion. Here with work, he gives us his conclusion first. So I, want to kind of want to, I kind of want to work backwards and look at the reasons that he gives on why he finds work and toil so meaningless, ultimately arriving at that conclusion. And I think in a number of ways, we'll see how our complaints about work might mirror his own. I think the first complaint that many of us would have about work is, man, I just need rest. I just need a, a vacation. You know, some people don't like their jobs, not because they're bad jobs, but it's just because they are straight up worn out. They are stressed. Solomon says it this way in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 22. He says, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Solomon says that all of his work had left him full of grief and, and pain. Even at night he can't let it go. Anybody ever have a problem with leaving their work at work? Yeah, I was told of a minister one time and uh, he would, every time he got home, he would, before he went in the house, get out of his car, walk over to the trash can, open it, and kind of symbolically dump all of the day's worries and stress before going in to see his family. And as silly as that sounds, the truth is most of us probably take home more stress than we should, and, and we suffer because of it. In fact, one in five people experience stress-related physical symptoms, shaking, heart palpitations, depression. It, it physically manifests in the way that they live. Stress can increase your risk of heart attack by 25%, your risk of stroke by 50%. 44% of people lose sleep every night because of stress. Solomon says, even at night, their minds do not rest. Stress and stress-related illnesses cost $300 billion in medical bills and lost productivity. He says, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? He says, sometimes we just, in our jobs, we need rest. It's stress and it's pain and it's hardship. Maybe you can echo his second complaint. You know, I, I just need a better job. You know, if I could just get this job or my dream job or that job, if I could just get out of my current context, then it would all be better. And maybe you just don't like your job. Maybe that it's not, not because it's stressful. Maybe it's just a, a job you enjoy doing. Maybe you feel like you're not making a difference or it's too laborious or monotonous. Maybe you don't feel like you're being used to your full potential. And Solomon speaks to this kind of feeling of unrest too. In verse 21, he says, For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. Solomon says even the most specialized jobs, skilled jobs, knowledgeable jobs, all of them end up the same way. Even the best jobs, 
It won't satisfy without the right perspective. We work and we work and we earn and we save up and, and then it goes to our lazy, rotten, no good kids when we die. Or it goes to the government or wherever it goes. We, we work our whole lives and we work these meaningless jobs we feel and then we have nothing to show for it in the end. And so maybe your solution is, I think, I just need a better job. Maybe the third complaint. I don't think we say this one out loud, but I just need more. I don't think we actually say this, but deep down, a lot of the motivation behind our work is to get more stuff. And sure, we work to earn a living and, and to survive and to meet the needs that we have, but we also work to get the latest gadget and the newer car and the bigger house and the nicer clothes or whatever that thing is for you. We just got to have more of it. And I think this might be our biggest problem with work. Because many of us, instead of just working to earn a living, work to amass far more than we need. And then we get frustrated with what we have. That latest gadget is quickly outdated. The new car needs repairs. The bigger house is just more to clean. The nicer clothes take up more closet space. All the stuff that we've worked so hard up ends up as a burden to us. Solomon says it this way. He said, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. Solomon felt the same empty, emptiness of materialism that we do. Later in chapter 6, he'll say, Everyone's toil is for their mouth, yet their appetite is never satisfied. It's just this pursuit of more and more and more. And he says, I hated all the stuff. And remember, Solomon had some pretty good stuff. He had asked when God gave him kind of this blank check request, he'd asked for wisdom and discernment. And because his request was so wise in itself, God also said, I'm going to bless you with wealth and prosperity. But eventually the things that were intended as blessings began to pull Solomon's heart further from God. And all of this stuff that he had acquired over this lifetime would eventually go one day to someone else. And we, say that we see this play out in a very re- real way. Solomon's own son, Rehoboam, would ascend the throne after his father. But without Solomon's wisdom, we see the kingdom, the, the power and the wealth soon dissipate. And eventually the kingdom itself would split and fall apart entirely. But we see that Solomon's concerns were not just for himself. Most of Israel at this time had enjoyed many years of this kind of peace and prosperity. They, they had enjoyed all of the work that David had done in establishing this kingdom, and now they got to live the rewards. They no longer lived this quiet agricultural existence depending on God to provide their daily bread. Instead, they lived in a time of booming international trade when fortunes can be made and lost overnight. Everyone was scrambling to get rich and short. The people of Israel were living their version of the American dream. And so all of this, the relentless stress, the dissatisfaction over our labor, the insatiable desire to always have more, it led Solomon to another stark conclusion in his search for meaning. Verse 17, he says, So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. In the world of work, Solomon had grown weary and burdened. He said, I hated life. I was disgusted with life. And we might not go as far as Solomon with our dissatisfaction in our work. But I think we still say things like, you know, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. 
I'm just working for the weekend. You know, there's always something that we, we do what we have to so we can do, get to do what we want to. But I think here's where Solomon went wrong in his, in his pursuit for meaning and work and toil. Ready for this? It's a revolutionary statement. I don't want you to miss it. Solomon didn't find meaning in his work because he tried to find meaning in his work. What do I mean by that? Solomon tried to find meaning in what he did rather than what God did for him. Solomon tried to define himself by who he was rather than whose he was. And I think we face the same temptation, don't we? I think about how your conversations go when you meet somebody new. Uh, maybe you're at a social gathering in an airplane, you go back to your you know, 15th class reunion, and somebody says, hey, what have you been up to? Tell me about your life. And what do we almost always start with? Our occupation. I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse, I'm a whatever the case might be. So often we try to define ourselves by what we've done, our achievements, our accomplishments. And Solomon reaches this moment in crisis trying to find meaning in his work and in his toil because he looks at all the work he has done, all the building projects and acquisitions and mergers and this mastery of wisdom and skill, and he realizes that all the things he has done has earned him. All those things are meaningless because they won't last. He realizes that the grave is the gateway through which none of those things will pass. All of his accomplishments and possessions won't go with him. And so how do we come to a different conclusion about our work than Solomon did? How can we find value in our work without being consumed by it? Because I think we might be tempted to think that, you know, work is meaningless, to adopt the same attitude. But we see from the very beginning that God designed work to be part of who we were in His perfect creation. That it was designed to be a part of what we did and and the the work that we had been given was to bring us meaning and and purpose in in doing what God had called us to do. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And it wasn't until after sin entered the world through the fall that work became this corrupted enterprise. After sin entered the world, God says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you eat food from all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. So how can we find meaning and purpose in our work? How can we find meaning and purpose in what God has called us to do beyond just thinking of it as just a job? And I think the first way that we do this is to strive to find pleasure in God first. Strive to please God alone. Verse 24, he says, A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So much of our work, so much of what we do, our toil, is focused on what we can get out of it. You know, achievement, purpose, financial security, saving up for the someday like we talked about last week, just working for the weekend. But Solomon encouraged us, you know, quit looking down the road for purpose and meaning and look at what God is offering you today. Find pleasure and satisfaction and purpose and meaning in your work by seeking to find pleasure and meaning and satisfaction and purpose in God first. God is one who provides for us in our work. And if all we have comes from God and we want to live a good life, 
then you've got to do things God's way. But even in Solomon's insight and kind of showing work in a positive light, I still think it ultimately falls short because he's still, he's focused on this life under the sun. He talks about eating and drinking and living in the moment. He's still concerned with things on this plane of reality and existence. And so while Solomon offers us good advice, Jesus, one greater than Solomon, offers us even better advice. In John 6, 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. See, it's easy for work to be dictated by accomplishment and results and productivity and money and schedule and status. But here's the truth of it. If you don't find meaning outside of your work, then you'll never find meaning in your work. If you can't value what you do outside of what you do, then you'll never find value in what you do. Dorothy Sayers, uh, writing about the theology of work in an article called Why Work, she says it this way. She says, as the modern view of work, that has replaced the old biblical view of work, as work is that what you do for a living. Work is what you do so that you can make money to do what you really want to do. You see, God never designed work to be a means and an end, to an end, this necessary evil that we must tolerate to live. And so striving to please God alone starts with this radical shift of how we think about the purpose of our work. The primary purpose of work is not to make money or to achieve status. And this shift is necessary because when we think the aim of our work is one of these two things, money or status, then one of two things will happen. Either work will become too important, that everything about our life must be about work in pursuit of these two goals, money and status, and we'll get burned out, or work will not become important enough. We don't really care about what we do, we just need to get a paycheck of some kind. And neither of these are the blessing that God designed work to be. Now, when the ultimate purpose of work is to honor and please God, then we can view work as an act of worship. Work is an act of worship. I know many of you probably think of worship coming to church, singing songs, doing what we do on a Sunday morning, but anything we do to give glory to God can be worship. I think of a man, 69-year-old man, Santiago Sanchez, and he claims that he has been given a very special mission from God. He claims that God started, gave him a mission of digging a hole over 20 years ago, and Sanchez has never wavered from that calling. He devotes nearly every waking hour to digging this tunnel. He wakes up at 3 a.m. because he regards it as the Lord worked, and he goes down so deep into this tunnel that at his deepest point, he struggles to breathe. But he continues to emerge time and time again with over 90 pounds of rock and stone and debris. He insists that he must be the only one who dig. He won't accept help even though other people have helped him. And one person a few years ago, a reporter, was allowed down in the hole, a rare glimpse, he couldn't even find the bottom because he was running out of oxygen before he got there. Analysts figure and believe that based on how much he progresses each day and how long he's been at it, this hole is probably about three miles deep. That's like taking 12 Empire State Buildings and piling them vertically and sticking it in the ground. Now, obviously, Santiago Sanchez has his critics and people that think he's crazy. I think the only question that really matters is, is Santiago San Sanchez doing God's will by digging a hole in the middle of the jungle? I don't know if he is or if he isn't, but he certainly thinks he is. And maybe that's the whole point. 
that this nearly 70-year-old man has felt a calling to dig this hole, and even in the most mundane of tasks, he seeks to bring glory to God by doing so. You see, it isn't about the task at hand, but the motivation with which we work. Colossians 3 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It doesn't take the perfect job or the perfect pay or the perfect coworkers or the perfect boss or the perfect whatever to be worship. It just takes a heart that wants to please God in all circumstances. It takes a heart like Jesus that says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. To say, God, in my work, in my toil, in my job, in my, str- in my, my strife, I, I don't want to please myself. I don't want to pursue my own will. I want to pursue you. And so with that in mind, I want to encourage you to work well this week. It's easy to live with this attitude of, you know, I, I, I just need rest. I just need a new job. I just need more. And, and then I'll be happy. It's easy to have this attitude of being disgruntled and dissatisfied with this daily grind of life. But I want to encourage you to shift your focus. To take each day for what God has to offer you and enjoying the simple satisfactions of a life lived in Him. Satisfactions of serving someone or leading someone. Enjoying the provisions that God gives you for the work that you do. But more importantly, I want to encourage you to focus on the one that you're serving. Maybe you don't like your boss, your coworkers, your customers, your clientele. But when we shift our mindset to be that of Jesus, that our sole purpose is to do to the will of God, a will that ultimately sent him to the cross, and we find that pleasing God and glorifying God is truly all that matters in this life. And so my invitation to you this morning is, is a simple one. I want you to invite you to live a life that seeks to glorify God. And maybe that means waking up tomorrow morning when you don't want to and going to a job that you don't really like and doing it to the very best of your ability so that people take notice of the way that you work and take notice of why you do it. Maybe that means being more spiritual in this application of giving your life to Christ. Bringing glory to God by making Jesus King and, and Savior and taking a knee before Him. Acknowledging that everything we do comes from Him. And seeking to serve Him with the same will that He had of doing His Father's will before pursuing His own. Let's pray that we would do that well this week. Father God, we come before you this morning. And as we continue to look at this book of Ecclesiastes seeking meaning and purpose in all these different areas of life, I pray that in our work we would have this perspective of doing what we do to bring you glory, of serving you even in the most mundane of tasks or in a job that we don't like or in some toil that we don't really want to do and doing it for you, God. Doing it as if we are working for you. God, I pray that as we work this week and we do so and try to do so well, that whether it's in our career or in our volunteering or just in some other area of service, that we would do so in such a way that people take notice 
Maybe it's in our work ethic, our attitude, the joy that we exude in being there. And in so doing, we would live as, as examples, as visible reminders of the way Jesus worked in our world. God, I pray that we would seek to live a life that glorifies you and in our work, worship you well. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.